Welcome to Seder Stories, the official podcast of Holy Cross Athletics, presented by UMass Memorial Health. Welcome to the latest episode of Seder Stories, the official podcast of Holy Cross Athletics, presented by UMass Memorial Health. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Gale. Today, we continue our Crusader Coach Profile Series with an extra special guest the legendary Jim Cavanaugh. He's the Richard L. Ahern 51 Director of Cross Country and Track and Field at the College of the Holy Cross. Jim has been on the hilltop, are you ready for this, 52 years. He's one of the longest tenured coaches in Holy Cross history, and he just announced a few weeks back that he's riding off into the sunset. It's time to retire. Be a granddad first. We wanted to send him off with one more interview. Jim, Thanks for joining us today. I've already read some lovely tributes written by your friends, family, colleagues. What's all this praise been like? It's actually been remarkable, Kevin. Um, Right from the very beginning, you always wonder, okay, how is the transition going to take place? And how do you actually say goodbye, which is almost impossible. Um, But the people that are coming out of the woodworks, uh, former former athletes, uh, other coaches, uh, my colleagues have been stepping up. We just had the New England Championships this past weekend, and uh, they gave me an award for being there 52 years as well. Um, So I think it's an opportunity to relive some of the memories. Uh, And some of it, uh, you know, is is shocking the way some of the student athletes remember things uh, compared to myself. I always think that, the student athlete tends to get better as the years uh, get longer. Uh, in my case, I guess I can use an ex- as an example that, uh, you know, because I'm older, I just forget. And therefore, I'm not lying when I improve my uh, performances. It's just, uh, to me, it's now the new facts or the, the new truth. But yeah, the, um, the praise has been incredible. Um, and some of it may be not as deserved as possible, but... Uh, I just enjoy talking to the kids and knowing that they appreciate what has happened over the last 52 years. Well, let's check back on some of those memorable facts. Let's go all the way back to your time at Boston College. You were a very accomplished field athlete. You also played football for the Eagles. But in that feature, that great feature that Holy Cross provided announcing your retirement, they mentioned sort of an awkward situation at your very first press conference. Back then, Holy Cross and BC were big time rivals how was that transition at first going from the gold to the purple? Uh, it was very difficult. I, and I think it's primarily because of my focus. When I was at Boston College, I played the last two years in football. But, you know, certainly my um, forte was the throwing events in the decathlon and track and field. And that created the uncomfortable feeling of why would I want to come to Holy Cross uh, after having uh, been taught that purple was not a good color that um, Worcester was not a place I'd want to be. But then what happened is um, I think it was uh, Tom Duffy and Skip O'Connor and Charlie Fleming, uh, one of the philanthropists here in Worcester, uh, came down to Rhode Island and convinced me to at least give it a shot. And the reason it was uncomfortable was because they had a great track program. They were the New England champions a year before I got here. And what it was is they focused primarily on the middle distance events and cross country and relays. 
uh, but they didn't put an awful lot of time and effort into the, certainly not the decathlon, but even the throwing events. Hmm. So I think it's um, when they introduced me, and I don't know if this is something you wanted to talk about later, but, you know, uh, it was one of those things that I got invited to this Hall of Fame dinner. uh, And it was the purple, as I refer to them, as the purple bleeding former Holy Cross athletes, uh, which at one point were probably my enemies when I was playing football against them. But their introduction um, was toward the end of the the dinner, and they introduced me as Jim Cavanaugh, who was coming to help with the cross-country and track and field programs. Uh, And then they followed that up with, he went to school in Boston, and that was it, an abrupt- (laughs) That's as specific as they got. Oh, Yes. So I took the opportunity since I had a minute to say anything I wanted. I just suggested that, yeah, I would like to uh, adjust your introduction a little bit. First of all, um, I did go to school in Boston and the name of that school is Boston College. And uh, I'm pretty proud of that. Um, At which point, if there was any noise at all in the room, it was people moving their chairs so they could leave. But then I figured, well, I had another prepared line, so I may as well use it anyway. And I said, uh, yeah, I'm coming here to help your track and field and cross country program. But in reality, I'm being sent here on missionary work. Wow. And that I thought was hysterical. Uh, (laughs) I suddenly found out that the crusader sense of humor was not the same as mine from BC. So I've been trying to live that one down ever since. Well, there were some clear connections between the way that BC and Holy Cross operate as colleges. And I think a lot of that probably comes back to the Jesuit values. When you look back at that transition period, coming from Chestnut Hill to Worcester, what do you think helped bridge that gap so quickly and allow you to build a brand and set a standard of success that, honestly, at that first press conference, you might have wondered, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into here? <laughs> that, certain, that question certainly came up. You know, coming from LaSalle Academy and the Christian Brothers in uh, the state of Rhode Island, uh, my background was very solidly, um, a solid re- religious background. I didn't see the major difference between um, Boston College and Holy Cross to be that great. And even if you went to the Jesuit motto of being a person for and with others, it seemed so consistent with everything I had been taught both in high school and within my own family, an Irish Catholic family from Providence. I didn't think that that would be a major problem at all. And I think it's been an actual bonus to be so consistent with the values that Jim Cavanaugh and the Cavanaugh family had. Uh, It just seemed like a perfect fit. Just a a quick story that I think leads into this. Uh, We were finishing our cross-country practice training one day, and all of a sudden we had um, all of the women sitting on the, the side of the hill up behind the heart center. And uh, one of the, qu- the kids, one of my co-captains asked me out of a clear blue, said, um, coach, if you had it to do over again, where would you go to college? And I looked at her stunned, like, where did that come from? Hmm. So uh, I led right into my answer. And I said, you know, if you people believe everything I told you during the recruiting process, uh, it hasn't changed. And I'm not going to change it when I'm talking to you all together. I said, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I'd go to Boston College in a heartbeat. And of course, then there was silence with that group too. And then I started explaining and I said, the college choice is all about, you know, a matching process. And somehow someone's got to convince you that, 
you know, either BC or Holy Cross or Fordham is the best match for you, but it's an individual decision. For me, I think things could not have been much better. Well, while I'm finishing these statements, one of the kids, uh, one of the co-captains is giving me this uh, little um, hand signal, like, could you stop anytime now, please? Uh, maybe the sooner, the better. And they said the reason they wanted me to stop was they had an introduction at which point they introduced three new recruits for the Holy Cross that were sitting there with my team and I didn't know it. <laughs> so it, it did just give me the, the chance to revisit that recruiting process I have. I said, I totally believe in Holy Cross and its mission statement and the fact that they aggressively pursue the fact that they are a small Jesuit undergraduate only college in the city of Worcester. I said, everything about it, Holy Cross is proud of. And I said, when I'm trying to recruit a person, that's exactly the angle I take. And then you talk more specifically about the, the academic programs and then what they're doing for the athletic teams on campus and what our vision is for the future. So I said, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's a matching process. And if you choose to go someplace else, then hopefully you're making the right decision. And then what I normally say at the very end, I said, what you want to do is make sure you take, um, make a decision that uh, will give you a successful future and also have no regrets. And I said, I can honestly say at this stage, and I said it then, and I'll say it now, that uh, my experiences has, at Holy Cross has been remarkably positive. Uh, I think it's been the perfect fit for Jim Kavanaugh, despite the early. And at the same time, you know, I have no regrets. I think it was a wonderful choice. And it, at least it's one of the choices I can say that uh, it was the right one that I made. Clearly a match, a Holy Cross Hall of Famer, in addition to a BC Hall of Famer, only two people have accomplished that feat. I wanted to ask you, at what point during your tenure at Holy Cross did you realize not just that track and field and cross-country coaching would be your lifetime endeavor, but that Holy Cross was going to be your forever home? Uh, I think initially I knew coming out of high school that I wanted to teach mathematics and uh, coach track and field and possibly coach football. Uh, and I owe that to my first mentor and uh, long-term friend and as well as high school track coach, Pete Curtin. Um, I know I broke his heart when I left him to come to Holy Cross, but I think he, along with his sarcastic teaching, was something that I have carried on forever. So I think initially the decision was difficult to leave him personally. Um, but then when I got to Holy Cross and started to learn more about the school, uh, it was quite apparent that it's a, it's a place that I could stay forever. And I think as time went on, I did have, uh, I think it was three opportunities where um, Boston College reached out and said, um, uh, my former college coach, Bill Gilligan, reached out and said, you know, I've lined up a job at Belmont. And if you want to take that and teach there for a while, then you can take over from me when I uh, decide to retire. So I knew I had a path back to my roots at Boston College. And yet every time I turned around, the first time that happened was when my son, my brother rather, was here as a discus thrower. Uh, he graduated in 74. So that was certainly not the opportune time to leave. Then the second time was um, much later, but my uh, my son, Brian, graduated in 2001. He was on the crew team. And I had all these things, these connections keeping me here at Holy Cross. 
So then after that, there was um, one other possible opportunity that I had, at which point um, I talked to my wife about it. And um, she always has a sense of reason as a, a librarian at St. John's for 25 years. So she said, let, let me ask you one question. She said, if you believe all those things that you're telling to the kids at Holy Cross every year after year after year after year, if you really believe that, I can understand why you want to, you might want to go back to Boston College, but how, how can you, um, how can you figure out in your own mind that it's time to leave Holy Cross? Because that's what it means. Are you going to leave Holy Cross? And um, when I thought about it that way, and I said, you know, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong thing. I shouldn't be thinking of the destination that might be there, but maybe the fact that the destination that I needed was already here. Interesting. And over the course of 52 years, I, I, I know that the college has changed a lot. I know that track and field, cross country, as sports have changed a lot, student athletes have changed, coaching styles have changed. Over the course of those 52 years, how would you say that you've adapted and grown in this position? I think in a number of ways. Um, part of it is what Holy Cross, again, is all about and their philosophy here. Uh, I had an opportunity as a representative of the athletic department on the diversity and inclusion team here on campus. And I was fortunate enough to uh, meet and spend time with uh, Mabel Milner and also Virginia Coakley. Virginia Coakley was one of the uh, chaplains on campus. And uh, they were very clear about, you know, the problems with diversity at Holy Cross as well as other schools. And they said, well, one Thing you as a white male have to start to understand or try to get a feel for is that other people, people particularly black women of color, uh, black women uh, in the uh, college experience, uh, we have to live very intentionally. And they explained that to me in a way that was really driven home. And this is being said to a an Irish Catholic man whose um, brother had adopted a black child and also a Vietnamese child. So there was certainly diversity in our family, but it's their intentional living uh, that really was driven home to me. Um, so that's on the philosophical end of it. And I always remember Virginia telling me that over a cup of coffee, which was not an easy conversation. Um, but in terms of my dealings with the kids, um, because of our approach, because of how sincere we are and how obvious we are about caring about the individual and not just their performance, that part of it was pretty simple. Um, most of the time, if there was any difficulty, it was just a poor communication. And what we had to do is make sure that we are more intentional with our communication. And uh, I think for the most part, the people that I've dealt with at Holy Cross have been um, very solid citizens. Uh, they, they're not trying to cut corners, uh, and nor are they trying to do that in their training. So I think if we explained what we were trying to get done and, uh, you know, gave them an opportunity for some input, uh, because then we're showing some respect and some attempt at ownership on their behalf, uh, it's been seamless. It's been simple to, to deal with the kids. 
Um, and every time, every year, another group comes in and it's a slight adaptation to the, the new cell phone routine and all of the, uh, all the different things that I'm probably never going to quite understand. But uh, I think for the most part, it, it's been fairly simple. That's great. We're going to take just a quick break. And when we get back, we'll continue our conversation with Jim Cavanaugh here on Seder Stories. At Fuel America, we've created a place for people to gather, to share their stories. We are a destination and we are a starting point because Fuel America is not just our name, it's our mission. Run, roll, walk. Massachusetts is getting moving again. And UMass Memorial Healthcare is here to do our part. Push, pull. We're the region's leader in orthopedics with more doctors, more expertise, and more locations than anyone else. Stir, kick, get moving again with UMass Memorial Healthcare's orthopedics experts. Jig, jog. Appointments available now. Call 855 UMass MD. UMass Memorial Healthcare a proud sponsor of Holy Cross Athletics. Just across Worcester, WPI graduate students are collaborating on solutions to the world's greatest challenges. Their innovations are transforming everyday lives. And our alumni have rewarding careers in robotics and data science to advance manufacturing and business. What will your impact be? Start exploring today at wp.wpi.edu forward slash grad explore. Welcome back to Seder Stories. I'm your host, Kevin Gale, joined by Jim Cavanaugh. Now, Jim, I'd love to talk with you about your working relationship with Jet Alfonso, the head women's track and field coach. What has her friendship and support meant to you over the years? It actually has been phenomenal. And we go way back because back in the um, late 80s and 90s, uh, Jet was a member of our program here. And so therefore I had the opportunity to coach her. Um, so that being the background, we both ended up being teachers at South High School. And uh, I think it was during that time when I suggested to her that we there was going to be a change in the coaching at Holy Cross. And it was an opportunity for her being a very successful high school coach, it was a great opportunity for her to move to not just a college position, but her college position, uh, because she was one of those purple-blooded crusaders. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think what it, it was unnatural to get her involved uh, because she was coaching both men and women uh, at South High School, so the experience level was there. Um, and it turned out to be an excellent choice because um, she's aggressive in terms of her own knowledge, um, you know, getting certified in many of the different events so she could handle just about any event in track and field. Um, I think at the same time, she is a relentless recruiter, which is the name of the game in college athletics. Um, You have to, you know, invite the masses to get them to come to the campus, get them to meet the kids on the team. And then, you know, there are a lot of whittling downs that take place as, you know, the uh, uh, SAT scores or the grade point average eliminates some people. And then, of course, then financial aid comes in. Uh, But she has uh, been very flexible, understanding all of that. 
Um, we've given her certainly a lot of rain because she's earned it on the personal level. Uh, she's been fully aware of some of the uh, trials that my family has been going through. And um, she's been incredibly supportive, both in uh, taking over some of the roles that I normally would have done. Uh, and she's just always there anytime I need her. So I owe a huge debt of gratitude to, to Jet for everything she's done so far. Friday, May 20th is Giving Day. Why is that support from the community so important, specifically for cross country and track and field? You know, I think similar to the other sports, there are so many needs that you have. And uh, I think with us, as we try to expand the program and get people interested in coming to Holy Cross in the first place, uh, you have to offer them something special that's different from the other schools they're considering. So in track and field and cross country, we use some of that money that's raised and the alums know this pretty well, that we use some of that money to finance a trip to Notre Dame. Uh, so we go out there every fall for the national Catholic championships. And it just is an opportunity for them to compete outside the district at a, you know, a pretty special place going out to Notre Dame. Occasionally we've gone to the football games while we've been out there. So I think in cross country and the long distance runners, uh, that answers one of the needs there. Uh, during the regular track season, we also try to get a Southern trip uh, every year. And we've had the luck to go down to William and Mary and Duke and then two or three times on to Auburn University in Alabama. Uh, and that's our, you know, better weather trip. So we escape some of the lousy weather at the beginning of April, give the kids a chance to, you know, compete in good weather and maybe get performances that will get them to a, a higher level meet. Um, so I think those are the two major things. But then the, what's happening recently on campus, the fact that the school has supported us and decided to uh, refurnish our outdoor track. Uh, it's a major project that's going on right now and should be ready in the fall. So it's, things are very bright facility wise right now at Holy Cross. So we're pretty happy that the Crusader Athletic Fund has been a major factor in that. And therefore we certainly support them as much as we possibly can. And we'll certainly be part of the texting um, program to alert people to the, the giving day on the 20th. Um, but then we'll also be thanking everyone after the fact and let them know about how successful it's been. Safe to say the facilities have come a long way from that pear-shaped track you started on outside of Fit and Field. <laughs> Yeah, it's the, the pear-shaped pear track that is still there. And I think only the one person from the grounds crew who retired two years ago, I guess, is uh, John Brosnahan. Uh, it actually is, still is there because it's the warning track of part of the baseball field. And it's the 220-yard straightaway that's behind the visiting stands. Uh, but yeah, we've come a long way from there. And then the old field house, uh, we got about as much out of that as we could. Um, and certainly adding the indoor practice facility with uh, the Luce Center has been a major addition because all of our events can practice there. And this is actually my third track going in at Holy Cross. It took 19 years to get our first outdoor track there. And uh, so now it's, it's gonna be beautiful to get back here in the fall. So I can't go too far away because I gotta be back to see this. <laughs> well, you mentioned before that you're not going too far. You're going to be staying here in Massachusetts. You're going to have a nearby impact on the program. I'm sure we'll see you around. Beyond that, what are some other plans that you have with the next phase of your life? Uh, certainly one of the biggest things is um, 
to be able to spend some more time with my wife. Um, she may think that's uh, something that's desirable. After about a month or two, she might rethink this and tell me to go get a job somewhere else. Um, but certainly spending more time with Liz, um, addressing my obligations as a husband, which I, um, I'm convinced I can do a better job of if I just put my mind to it. Um, but then also being a more supportive father as uh, all three of my kids, uh, one is down in Washington, D.C., one in Charlestown, Rhode Island, and one now in uh, uh, West Roxbury, just being able to spend more time with them and support them as they go through the, the rigors of, you know, buying their first house and making the repairs. And then, of course, my, my newest addition as a student athlete is going to be my 13-month-old first grandchild. Uh, Julian is already practicing his steps in the hurdles, so uh, oh. he'll be ready pretty soon. So. Uh, <laughs> We'll, we'll see what happens, but it really is spending time. And then there's one thing I do for enjoyment. And most of the people around here know it, that uh, whenever I get time, I try to get out in a boat and do some co-hogging down uh, off the shores of Rhode Island. So uh, I look forward to doing that too. It's find a, I find it very relaxing. Jim, before we wrap this up, I wanted to ask you a two-pronged question here. What would you say was the greatest accomplishment in terms of on-track or on-field legacy for your program. But even beyond that, what kind of impact do you feel that your time on campus has left with student-athletes beyond the track, beyond running, beyond throwing? I think <clears throat> short of going to a specific perf uh, performance, you know, you always look at your 404 miler or you, you look at the New England champions and the different events um, I think the most important thing and probably the most consistent thing would be that, uh, any, any person who's gone through our program, both the men's program or the women's program, um, I think can look back at it as an extremely positive experience where the coaches were equally concerned about what they were doing in the classroom, uh, as well as the social life on campus and their athletic achievements. So I think they understand that we don't look at them as that, you know, that just as an athlete and just the number of points that you can score for the team. Uh, it goes well beyond that. And I think uh, I'm safe in saying that mainly because of the number of times that we're um, ex uh, invited to the weddings of our former athletes, some of them right here in the chapel at, on the Holy Cross grounds. Um, but then also the introduction of the, their babies when they can bring them back to campus on a reunion weekend. Um, and even at right now, um, evidence of that is the number of kids on the team whose parents had already competed for us at Holy Cross. Oh, you've got the McNerney family and the Alfonso family, since uh, her son Tony is actually running for us now. Mm -hmm. And then the Collins family. Some of these are, are record holders whose kids still come to Holy Cross. Our high jumper, Fred Ron, his kids have come to Holy Cross. Our hammer thrower, Dave Morrison, his kids are at Holy Cross. Um, one of the kids um, on our 400 team, Matt Conway, his dad ran for us here. Um, so I think that the consistency of how the kids are treated, and it doesn't matter whether that kid was an all-star or a record setter, uh, they were part of our team 
And, um, you know, you still bump into these kids when you're traveling on the road and they show up at the meets. And we had one kid named John Murphy, who for years after he graduated, uh, would show up at Van Cortland Park with the food for the team. And he didn't even know some of the kids at that team, but he still wanted to be part of Holy Cross. So I think that's the special thing. Um, so it didn't come down to any specific um you know, performance. We had plenty of performances uh, that I think were remarkable, uh, but I think it's the overall um, way the program is run, which is probably the biggest and probably the best legacy. That's incredible. So few coaches get an opportunity over such a long period of time to impact not just one, but two generations of the same family. So I appreciate you sharing that. It's It's been great talking with you today, Jim. We've been wrapping up our Seder Stories episodes with a set of rapid fire questions. So I'm going to ask you a handful. Just give us the first answer that comes to your mind. Track event or field event that you never tried but wish you had? Uh, maybe the 3,000 meter steeplechase because I could employ my swimming as well as running. <laughs> your favorite restaurant in Worcester? Oh, wow. Uh, with my wife around, I have to be very careful how I say this. Um, the sole proprietor is one of the best because we love the seafood. Why do you have to be careful with that, with your wife around? Well, because if I said something that something that she didn't like, she would hold me to that. Uh, <laughs> we certainly have our choice of uh, Italian restaurants on uh, Shrewsbury Street, so we look forward to the days that we can just roam there and go to any of them. But I like the proprietor. I think you mentioned this with the boat, favorite hobby when you aren't coaching, especially now that you're retired. Yeah, and it would be digging clams uh, because it gets me closer to my younger brother, a few years younger than myself. He goes out in the boat with us and uh, my oldest brother who has passed away now used to do that. So uh, just a lot of memories with that and then eating the clams on the half shell before we even get back to the the dock. So that's, (laughs) that's a fun time. Can't beat that. Fresh as it gets. Favorite TV show. Do you have time to stream or watch something on TV? I really don't watch. I watch a lot of sports on TV. Uh, I'm I'm not going to say that I'm uh, addicted to the Hallmark channel, but uh, my wife is. And therefore, it's hard for me to get through the living room without getting hooked on something she's doing. So I I don't have a a favorite TV program. It's, It's primarily the sports that I watch especially those Hallmark Christmas movies. Those should be starting up any day now. Let me follow up. Who's your, who's your favorite team? Who's your favorite team to follow? Other than Holy Cross? Of course. <laughs> I have to say the Celtics. Um, but I like the Boston teams. I like the, uh, the Celtics and certainly the Bruins. The Red Sox, I got a chance to the first time ever to go to opening day this year as a gift for my kids. So I love doing that with my wife. Uh, but then because of my background, this is kind of a jump to a different team, the Woo Sox that I have not seen in person yet. But since they used to be the Pawtucket Red Sox, which is where my wife grew up uh, and I was from Providence, I'm looking forward to that day where Liz and I will go to see the Woo Sox play very soon. Definitely a must-see at Polar Park this summer. And then lastly, favorite spot on Holy Cross's campus? Well, I'm probably biased and think that it's probably the outdoor track. Um, 
And one of the reasons I say that, and I this is a plug in to the people at admissions department to include the athletic facilities as part of their tours, uh, it's the most beautiful scenery on campus because you're looking over the entire city of Worcester. So I think the the top of the hill, um, you know, where the Luth Center is certainly there. Uh, but, you know, in a particular place, maybe the track, because there are so many memories inherent in that uh, association. And a lot went into getting that track as well. So I can see why that has some immense impact. Jim, on behalf of myself and everyone with Holy Cross Athletics, past, present, even future now, thank you again for the impact you've had on this entire department. We all wish you the very best going forward into your retirement. Kevin, thank you very much. I, I appreciate the attention. And I'll try to live up to some of the things you've said about me. <laughs> and we'll hope to see you around again very, very soon. That's a wrap on this week's Seder Stories. Make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And if you love our show, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review. It's the best way for our fellow Crusaders to find the show. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Kevin Gale. Go Cross Go. Thank you for listening to this episode of Seder Stories, presented by UMass Memorial Health. Stay in the loop on all things Holy Cross Athletics at GoHolyCross.com and at GoHolyCross on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Go Cross Go!